Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Happy New Year, Connor. I believe by congressional statute, uh, it's still legal to say Happy New Year for another three or four days. Okay, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Under the wire. Yeah. Yeah. After that, it's it's a felony. Well, we have to start on early Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Why not? Why not? So, as uh, as you know, uh, the we talked about the top legal stories of the week. Um, too many lawyers, also too many judges. We will demonstrate sure. that sure. later in the episode. Uh, I'm a baby boomer libertarian. Uh, Connor's a millennial progressive, and yet uh, we're, we're still alive after 102 or so episodes. Yeah, haven't haven't murdered each other yet. Nope. We get close. We get close. Yeah, but this, you know, that's the secret of the case. Uh, no homicides. I mean, secret <laughs> of the podcast. Secret of the case. Uh, so we got uh, three big stories we want to talk about. Uh, they're Nirvana, the naked Nirvana baby. Uh, we're going to discuss the dismissal of that lawsuit. So sad. Yeah. And we're going to tie it into a subject of litigation financing, where people decide, hey, that lawsuit could really go someplace. I think I'll back Invest. it. Kind of like a Broadway producer, you know? I'm going to put up a million dollars for my fair lady, and I'm going to yeah. make $10 million. So that's topic one. Topic two is the uh, Biden vaccine mandate case, or cases actually before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, the oral argument was a couple of days ago. We'll We'll uh, speculate on how the court might come out. And finally, we're going to talk about how to prevent another January 6th. Shall we call it uh, insurrection? Shall we call it kerfuffle? Uh, shall we call I think it one of those is a little bison more... man confusion? <laughs> one of those is a little bit more uh, accurate, but uh, it's, let's say all of the above. And in our guess the verdict segment at the end of the episode, as always, Connery is going to try to guess the outcome of a legal dispute. This one... To give you just a little tease here, this one has to do with prisoners protesting a diet of Nutriloaf. 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 So yeah, that's going to be challenging for Connor at the end of the episode. So before we get to the naked Nirvana baby, uh, breaking news, Connor. Breaking news. West West Hollywood, California Uh uh, has, as of right now, the biggest, largest minimum wage on the planet. Oh. Well, at least in the United States. I thought we were going with this. Yeah, okay. $16.50 is the mandatory minimum wage in West Hollywood. Now, this is, you know, it's controversial. It's big news and so on. But actually, I I saw there was a a TV report. I want to bring in at least the sound of the TV report. Okay. Uh, There's a reporter on the scene uh, there in West Hollywood. So let's let's go to the the tape and see what this sounds like. It's going to be great. Oh, wow. That's, That's funny. It's funny, the reporters on the street there, there are some large tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds just rolling across Santa Monica Boulevard. Let's see. I like your sound effect for tumbleweeds. Wow. Yeah, and gosh, there, there are no people there. Everything, All the businesses are boarded up. I'm going to turn the sound off. The first time that you decide to bring a, a sound clip yeah. into the episode well, it's the first news. time ever it's just news and it's the sound of silence well yeah, incredible but actually it, <laughs> that noise that wind 
with the tumbleweeds yeah, rolling. Yeah, yeah. You see, apparently the businesses are bored. The metaphor. There are no people. Yeah. Gosh, you think there's a hurricane coming? I might be. Is that is that Dorothy and Could Toto? Be. Yeah. No, no. What happened, Connor? Is that with sixteen dollars and fifty cents, all the businesses all the went businesses broke? Moved yeah. Away. I, I I think I've made my point. It's I'm a wasteland not. over there. Uh, yeah. I'm sure everything will work out. Probably. Now, will everything work out for Ghislaine Maxwell? No, though? probably not. Well, no. here's the news: the Maxwell jurors have been blabbing to the media about their remarkable experience they, they had love to talk finding jurors, her love guilty to talk. and two of the jurors commented to reporters about how right. oh, they they personally had been victims of sex abuse so they kind of knew what was going on they actually oh. discussed it during the jury deliberations oh. those those clever defense lawyers from Ms. maxwell went back to the videotape yeah. back to the juror questionnaires and doggone it if it doesn't appear that the two victims of sex abuse on the jury were asked hey, have you ever been victims of sex abuse and they said no so that could that be good. a basis That's for very oh, the fact that they not only lied about it, yeah. apparently, but talked about it, brought it into the yeah. jury room. Yeah. Now, that raises an interesting issue. It, it, you know, as we know from watching the uh, the movie uh, 12 Angry Men. Oh, yeah. Classic. You're not supposed to, during a break in the jury deliberations, go on Main Street, go to a knife shop, look at a knife, and then come back to the to the jury room and say to your fellow jurors, hey, I did a little research on my own, and so there's no way he could be guilty yeah. because the knife is uh, blue instead of green. Definitely not allowed. Yeah. On the other hand, you are allowed to bring your personal life oh, experiences to help you oh, absolutely. deliberate. Yeah, being yeah. a the victim of a similar crime, kind of crime does not disqualify you from being on a jury. It's simply a question that you must answer truthfully so that lawyers for both sides may then further examine right. you on that subject, elicit more and more information about it from you so that they can find out whether you really are so biased that you know, because you had a bad experience with a cop, you'll never vote uh, 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 not guilty. Or sorry, uh, guilty. Um, if you uh, if you had uh, had a past a history of sexual abuse, you will always find against an accused abuser. I mean, these are things that that could possibly be completely disqualifying features about a juror because of their strong past experiences, but not necessarily. And that's what the voir dire process is about. But how frustrating would that be oh, if her conviction massively. were tossed, if the judge yeah. said, new trial, we start over. Oh massively my frustrating. I mean, and enormously it, expensive. Yeah, absolutely. Now, they they uh, uh, always in these cases poll the jury after the the uh, the case and they find out um, which jurors voted which way and how many of them there were. And in this case, you've got two jurors um, out of 12 uh, that could have uh possibly been disqualified. So in theory, you could still have gotten to the required nine out of 12 to convict uh, in, in these sorts of situations. Oh, actually, in this case, you've got to have unanimous. Well, if it's unanimous, then even yeah. one. Now yeah. she's got two possible jurors yeah, I who think might there was, be disqualified. There, were, there was litigation over the fact that maybe um, Louisiana and Oregon are the only states that permit criminal convictions less than less unanimous. Less than unanimous, but, so, but by and large, yeah, so you have to have the unanimous. It's Connor, this goes back to a rant of mine a few weeks ago oh, yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Why don't we have lie detector tests for jurors? I'm not saying we send them to prison if yeah, it's yeah, determined yeah. they right. lie, because we know it's only 95% accurate. Or, it's not admissible in court. Sure, more like 5%, but yeah, absolutely. Well, I, a lot of a lot of scientists, including F. Lee Bailey, 
um, the the famous lawyer who loves polygraphs. Yeah, he's not a scientist. He actually had a TV show years ago. It was called Polygraph, and he had yeah. an operator there, and he it was the ratings were terrible. Mm -hmm. So anyway, why not just fire up that that uh, polygraph? Right. Uh, assume for the moment I'm right that it's in the ballpark of ninety five percent. Yeah, if that and true. it's not good enough to put somebody in jail. Yeah, but. It's almost certainly right. Yeah. Why not get rid of the bad apples? If, you yeah. give him a lovely parting gift. Yeah. You know, you, you give him some makeup or some dog, dog food, food and towels. bath towels yeah. and send them home. Right. Uh, you know, wagging your fin finger at them. If we, if, we, if we find you lie three times in a row, then you will go to prison. Right, sure. Maybe that would be a little harsh. Yeah. Don't you think we ought to consider it? You know, if we had a lie detector test that was even a little bit accurate, you know, like more than a, a coin flip. I'm going to take that if, as a yes. Then I would be okay with it. The danger, of course, though, is you could have a lie detector test that is, say, 75% accurate, right. theoretically. Uh, but its inaccuracies arise um, disproportionately in uh, groups that are ordinarily d d disadvantaged. Maybe women fail this lie detector test uh, with false positives at a higher rate than men. And while the overall average is 75%, maybe it's 50-50 for women, and then it's a complete coin flip, and you're kicking women off the jury based on You are on a one sensitive flip. guy. So these I'll are say dangerous that. issues that we have to think about. There's not. It's not just, a, oh, how sensitive is the test and how often do we get positives and negatives. We have to really, really trust this test. It can't just kind of be better than nothing. Let's hope it gets close but to 100%. we get voir dire, right? We get lawyers asking a ton of deep and probing questions. That's true. Isn't that pretty good? That's true. Better than any test I've ever seen. Hey, uh, one other item before we get to the uh, Nirvana Naked Baby album cover. Uh, who says judges don't have a sense of humor, Connor? Oh, I think they get a bad rap, oh, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, there was that Texas judge who got in a little trouble. He had a habit of adding a smiley face every oh, time yeah. he signed his name. Mm -hmm. You know, escrow instructions or yes, I'll buy your television. Yeah. Judge Birch Medlap, smiley face. Okay, yeah. so he's on the bench and what do you know? There's a capital case. A death penalty is ordered by the jury. And he, the judge has to sign the death warrant. Out of reflex, total force of habit, Judge Schmedlap signs the death warrant for the, for the bad prisoner yeah. and then adds the smiley face. Yeah. And that's an appeal issue. Yeah, sure. The guy actually relied on it as an appeal issue. I'm not sure exactly how it turned out. But why, why not? The judge felt bad about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm sure he did. So uh, I digress. Here, here's the, the new example of judges with a sense of humor. So uh, we've got the Elizabeth Holmes uh, conviction in the books. And now, of course, her former boyfriend, Ramesh Sunny Balwani, is going on trial. Was going to be next month, but now it's going to be a few months off because of COVID. So uh, the lawyers are fussing with the judge over the timing of, of Balwani's trial. Uh, invoking the great philosopher Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. Of course. The judge told uh, Ramesh Sunny Balwani and his lawyers, uh, I understand uh, you're, you're asking for a continuance of the trial. Um, excuse me, you're asking for the trial to happen right now. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, but the judge is, is leaning toward delaying it. So the judge says, you know, as Mick Jagger once put it, you can't always get what you want. Mm. All right. Straight from the song. He stole yeah. it straight from the yeah. song. So uh, he attributed the it. judge realized after he said that, maybe it could be misinterpreted. He said, uh, sir, I'm just trying to add a little levity to your thoughts about this. I, I uh, in no way disrespect Mr. Balwani's sixth Walking amendment that right to his uh, trial. Yeah. yeah. Is that good to add a little levity to No, I don't think it is good to criminal add a little trial levity. proceeding. What's the deal with criminal law? <laughs> yeah. No, what, that's not the time. Judge Seinfeld. Yeah, it's not the time to add any uh, amount of levity whatsoever. No.
So to kiss up to the judge, Balwani's lawyer then said with a chuckle, I note, Yana, that Mick Jagger is also one of my favorite philosophers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, (laughs) So uh, maybe that there goes that as an appeal issue because the judge is going along with it. Well, you got to suck up to the judge. That's a mandatory process. I suppose. When we come back, uh, yes, we will get to the Nirvana album cover. But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe. Too many lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you like the best, uh, wherever works on your device. That's probably Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you are there, then hit the join button. Um, uh, you don't have to pay anything. You just get the podcast pushed to your phone every single week. If not Apple Podcasts, then check us out on Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever other platform you use. Uh, we read every comment. We really appreciate it. So please leave us one. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the Nirvana group uh, back in the 90s had a very famous um, album, uh, and they put on the cover a picture of a naked baby, like six-month-old baby, flailing around uh, underwater, uh, reaching for a a dollar bill on a fish hook. Apparently, they photoshopped in the dollar bill and the fish hook. They just had the baby reaching underwater. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a few months ago, um, Spencer Eldon, who's uh, age 30, uh, law, filed a lawsuit against uh, Nirvana and the record company and the people involved in the in the photograph because he's all grown up now. He was the the baby uh, thirty years ago in the picture, uh, and so the defense, the um, album folks. And the individuals filed a motion to dismiss the amended complaint. And the judge actually did dismiss it because uh, Spencer Eldon and his lawyers failed to file any opposition to the motion. Uh, So it's dismissed without prejudice, meaning he can now still file late uh, some opposition to the motion. So here was his argument, uh, Connor. It made him look like a sex worker. Yes, he believes that a picture of a six-month-old baby underwater reaching for a dollar bill attached to a sex hook Hmm. made him look like a sex worker. Hmm. Now he's claiming emotional distress, but he has repeatedly recreated the pose as a teenager and as an adult wearing swim trunks, of course, to celebrate the anniversaries of the album issuance, the 10th year, the 17th, 20th, and 25th. But then... He changed his mind. Seventeenth. Why would they have seventeenth anniversary? I think seventeen. That's styrofoam, isn't it? <laughs> Twenty-five is silver. Right. So, what do you think? Um, do, do you do you think that uh, this lawsuit has legs? No. I mean, the fact that uh, they didn't file an opposition to the motion to dismiss means that they this guy was not interested in. Uh, spending any more money on this case. And he was hoping that he would get positive publicity instead of negative. And after he got negative publicity and he realized that there wasn't going to be a lot of public pressure on the company to settle the case and fear that the case might go badly, uh, he gave up. And so that's what this, you know, this, this is the manifestation of that. And, you know, more power to you for deciding that your case is not actually worth what you thought it is and bailing. That's no problem there. So the, the issue of the motion to dismiss in, in federal court raises kind of an interesting, it's inside baseball, but it, to me, it's a fascinating issue. Mm-hmm. Years ago, if you wanted to file a lawsuit and get past the first step, the speed bump of the pleading phase where you file the lawsuit and the other side has a right to, to knock it out if it's just totally blatantly Total bad. gibberish, like, yeah. Like, you know, uh, I slipped on a banana peel in 1940 at, in Ralph's, and doggone it, uh, I've been hurt ever since, and so I'm filing a lawsuit now. 
you may respond to a lawsuit like that by saying to the judge, okay, uh, accept everything he said as true. The fact of the matter is there's a statute of limitations in this state. And so please dismiss the suit. Yep. Because yeah. it, it's fatally, he says nineteen forty. That's eighty years fatally, ago. Fatally flawed. But it's hard to glean from a lawsuit some fatal flaw. Yeah. bits of evidence, and so usually a motion to dismiss may not be uh, may not be filed early on. So here's here's the the change in federal law. Recently, the federal courts came down with some, some cases saying, you know what, it's not really fair to be able to file a lawsuit that just alleges some conceivable, theoretically possible facts are true. Mm-hmm. You have to cross the line to allege some facts that are plausible, mm-hmm. that might plausibly be true. Now, you might say, well, that's a vague distinction, conceivable versus plausible. But the courts uh, are very fond of that distinction now. They've embraced it at the federal court level. There are two cases called Iqbal and Twombly yeah. that established that. And as a result, it's allowed a lot of defendants to file lawsuits to get rid of these things. And so this might be one of them where assume everything that Eldon Spencer Eldon said is true, still looking at these facts it is it is not a, a legitimate basis for a lawsuit to say that a baby uh, reaching for a dollar bill is, in fact, a suggestion that he is a sex worker. The judge theoretically might say, you know, we got a bunch of cases about emotional distress and about defamation and so on. And, and it's pretty clear you need something more than this situation. So maybe the lawsuit will just be dismissed on that basis. Yeah, the, this, uh, as you pointed out, Iqbal and Twombly are the two famous cases. If you go to law school and you should not. Uh, But if you do, you will run into Iqbal and Twombly in your first year civil procedure, federal civil procedure uh, uh, case, uh, class. And your teacher- I can't think of two more pleasant words, uh, names, Iqbal and Twombly. Yeah, (laughs) it's IQBAL. It hurts the tongue to say them. It does, yeah. IQBAL. That case is actually Ashcroft v. Iqbal. And that Ashcroft is the one you're thinking of. It's John Ashcroft uh, versus Iqbal. um, And the the case- um, He's a Bush-era attorney general. Yeah, exactly. And it's a Bush-era civil rights case in which a guy detained during the war on terror said, uh, John Ashcroft, you got to let me out of jail. Uh, You did uh, terrible things and um, you should be liable, John Ashcroft, for the actions of your subordinates. And the story that Iqbal told in his lawsuit was kind of far-fetched in the eyes of the federal court. And they said, whoa, that's kind of a wild story. Ashcroft should be able to defend himself and throw this case out because you're alleging that John Ashcroft personally knew and oversaw and gave direction as to uh, the actions of his low, low, low down subordinates who were uh, beating you up and detaining you illegally and doing these other things uh, as part of the war on terror. And Iqbal said, what? Excuse me? This is not far-fetched at all Mm -hmm. this is the top guy be having control of all the guys underneath him who are running around and doing the war on terror and infringing on people's civil rights and detaining them unlawfully for years and we knew we saw john ashcroft on tv saying things like we're going to come down on him hard and we're going to you know route him out uh, and we're going to find every last one of them and we're going to disregard their civil rights well he didn't say that on tv but he said basically that's what we're going to do we're going to be really hard on people and as a result of that i think it's plausible that ashcroft did have control and did actually uh, make these moves. And the underlying undercurrent underneath this is 
how does the guy know who exactly ordered the goons to go beat him up and unlawfully detain him? Mm-hmm. He's got to sue John Ashcroft. Right. And then in the lawsuit, they can figure it all out. In discovery, they can discover who exactly gave what orders at what times, find the smoking gun memo that says, go find Mr. Iqbal and lock him up, even though we don't have sufficient evidence. So it may or may not be appropriate to dump lawsuits based on this. Oh, you know, you didn't right. give us And so the two facts. sides of that argument are called fact pleading versus notice pleading. Do you just when you plead uh, and file a lawsuit, do you just have to let the person know, hey, you're being sued? You, we'll get to the facts. We'll get to the figuring out what's true and what's false. You're being sued. That's all I have to do. Versus fact pleading is you've got, really got to allege the facts. You've got to have the facts before you file the lawsuit, which might be impossible if so, you're suing John Ashcroft. So this gets us into a related doctrine. So we're dealing with, oh, is the lawsuit frivolous? How, how easy should it be to get rid of it? Right. Let's talk about litigation financing. Yeah. Litigation financing is another front in the war against frivolous suits. We try to fight bad lawsuits with doctrines like this Iqbal and Twombly thing, but increasingly, legislatures are giving attorney's fees to winners and sometimes just to winning plaintiffs. And so frivolous lawsuits are a problem. I mean, they they ruin lives every single day. We've got to have an open courthouse, but there's a downside. The, The threat of malicious prosecution when somebody files a frivolous lawsuit and then you actually sue them later after you win, it's usually meaningless because the client can just say, hey, my lawyer said I had a good case. You know, what do I know? True. So litigation financing gives investors the opportunity to say, hey, there's a big class action down the street. I think they're going to strike big. I want to get in on this. I'm going to give them half a million dollars to pay their fees. Maybe they'll have to drop it if I don't, if somebody doesn't give money. And in return, I get, you know, 20 percent of the win. It could be millions or billions of dollars. It's, It's not considered a loan. It's like venture capital. Right. The criticisms are, you know, you you've, you could be violating state usury laws that uh, ban unreasonably high interest rates. Sure. Uh, some financing companies invest in suits, even though they realize the suit has little merit. They're kind of perpetuating dubious claims. But they know that the defendant, under some circumstances, might pay millions or even billions to settle a lawsuit, even though it's not a great lawsuit, just to get rid of the legal fees and the bad publicity yeah. and so on. I see these arguments as really arguments against the the structure of the 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 court system itself because if you think that the court system is sound and will produce good results all right and let's is get efficient. rid of the court system itself <laughs> And is efficient in some way in terms of it it costs a reasonable amount of money to defend a lawsuit, then you don't have a problem. You shouldn't have a problem with uh, financing uh, this sort of litigation. The issue is really the underlying question is, is the litigation frivolous and are frivolous lawsuits too powerful? Personally, I obviously recognize that there are lots of frivolous lawsuits. Absolutely. And that they can ruin people's lives and destroy companies and all that. But- I think that largely they don't. Largely, defense lawyers charge somewhat reasonable fees. And uh, you may disagree with that as a defense lawyer yourself. You may admit, oh, yes, we, fight, we've, we, we, we charge unreasonable, <laughs> ridiculous amounts be, just because we can. But, but really, there are lots of lawsuits that don't get through the courthouse door because they would cost so much money to file. In the same way that there are lots of lawsuits that don't go to trial because they would cost so much money to defend. So it really is two sides of the same coin. The whole process is just very, very expensive. Now, this specific case is a, uh, a, a tech startup. And this tech startup wants to change the game a little bit. They want to say, hey, 
you want to do litigation financing like an old person, mm -hmm. oh, sure, go advertise to venture capitalists because you want to file a, you know, a, a, a class action and you want to make money off of it. Uh, sure, sure. We're going to do it the way of the future. We're going to do it with cryptocurrency. So what they're going to do, this company is called Rival, spelled wrong. I'm not even going to tell you how it's spelled because I don't even <laughs> want you to Google a stupid company. Um, and, and this is the, 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 the bleeding heart liberal over here saying, you know, plaintiffs deserves access to the courthouse. But right. this, this, this is just, this is just dumb. This exemplifies the problem with every tech crypto, tech startup that's based on cryptocurrency. They're trying to inject cryptocurrency where it provides no value at all and in fact only obscures what's really going just on. Just to give it legitimacy and ease it into our culture? No, what they're doing is they're trying to get rich quick on it Ooh. and they're they're abusing the fact that nobody understands cryptocurrency. So they think, oh, because cryptocurrency, therefore futuristic, therefore good, therefore better. Litigation financing, in my view, okay, fine. Fund other people's lawsuits and then be paid out in the pro from the proceeds. You and I may dis disagree on the merits of that, but let's ask ourselves a question. Do we need an intermediary tech startup company between the litigation finance ear, uh, person who's putting the money down, and the lawyers who evaluates the case, and then if they like it, if they think it's going to do well, they issue a cryptocurrency coin mm -hmm. that you can invest co commemorative in. commemorative cryptocurrency <laughs> Basically, coin. right? But what they're doing is they're distributing it. They're saying anybody can buy these coins, uh, and therefore, it's not just millionaires who can finance uh, lawsuits now. It's anybody. You Would can these say, coins be NFTs? <laughs> they're effectively the, just like an NFT, except they're not about owning a non-corporeal uh, object, uh, or you could have an NFT for a corporeal object, but you you usually don't. These are a, 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 a cryptocurrency token that represents your ownership in the outcome of this lawsuit. But the question is, why is it better to have it as cryptocurrency as opposed to just throwing open the doors and saying, walk into our store or send us a, an email mm -hmm. and say, I'd like to buy 1% of the outcome of this lawsuit? That's all it is. There's no need to use a cryptocurrency to do this other than it's a sexy tech word that gets people excited and they think, oh, get rich quick schemes. Look at all those people that got got rich quick on Bitcoin and every other variant thereof, Dogecoin. I can do the same with this. There's no reason, absolutely no reason that it should be on the blockchain as opposed to just a company doing this. You know and, what I you know what I was saying? Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you're thinking. Okay. You're coming around. It I'm coming around. It only took 102 episodes. I still like litigation financing. Uh, I still right. think that financing plaintiffs so they can actually get their claims in the courthouse door is good. But the idea that, you know, you can distribute it to the masses and make it accessible to everyone, uh, that is a, a, a fine, noble goal. But it has nothing to do with this tech wizardry yep, that yep. they're trying to wield. In his uh, interview with Vice, the founder of this website, uh, I mean, this uh, company um, called Rival, claimed uh, that uh, he advertises uh, returns of over 50 percent. 
And when Vice News uh, interviewed him and said, what does that mean? What do you mean? It's a lot of money. Over 50 percent. Are you are you guaranteeing that? Are you saying it's likely to happen? Does that happen sometimes? Has it ever happened Reasonable questions. What what are these? And he says, oh, it might be it might be, you know, optimistic. That might be a little high. (laughs) A little puffery. A little puffery. Like Elizabeth Holmes. And this is the problem is that when you see cryptocurrency, you should think this guy's a grifter. And then maybe rein that in, pull that back a little later. But start off, the default position with cryptocurrency bros should be uh, a grifter. When we come back, uh, what about the Biden vaccine mandate? Uh, Supreme Court is going to weigh in very shortly, and I promise no more Sam Kinison impressions. Stay with us. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the U.S. Supreme Court, Connor, uh, had its oral argument a few days ago on the Biden administration vaccine plans. It, two separate deals. Uh, as you know, uh, the vaccine, um, if for companies with 100 or more employees, you know, the, the folks, the employees have to get vaccinated or, or put up with weekly tests. Right. And the second element is uh, health providers, hospitals, doctors that have federal money coming in, they have to get vaccinated as well, the people who work there in the health industry. So the U.S. Supreme Court had an oral argument, and the conservatives seem a little skeptical about the uh, idea that OSHA has the power to say to big companies, oh, it's just like asbestos or, you know, polluted water uh, underneath your plant. you got to fix it. It's dangerous for employees. The the justices don't seem to be persuaded. They they seem a little more receptive to the idea that in the hospital setting, uh, Biden may force vaccines. Uh, Justice Alito, for example, uh, said that the only grave danger from a non-vaccinated employee, if, if the court rejects this mandate in the workplace, the only danger, Alito said, is to other non-vaccinated employees. And doggone it, those folks choose to expose themselves to danger, themselves to danger. They choose wow, to Dr. Be- Alito weighing in with his medical opinion right. uh, that breakthrough infections of vaccinated people don't exist. And then he also said there is some danger to vaccinated employees, oh, but he says it's minor. He thinks, oh, okay. He it's minor. Now, in fairness, Justice Kagan uh, got her MD degree and she, she had some medical opinions as well. But the liberals say, you know, some non-vaccinated people can can't get shots because of their medical conditions. Yeah, like they have an autoimmune disorder, so mm-hmm. the, the vaccine doesn't work. That they don't produce the right, uh, you know, antigens, the right, the you know, T cells or whatever it is you have to produce the, when when uh, the, you get the vaccine, and as a result, they don't produce the antibodies, and as a result, they're vulnerable. So, so anybody so the out court- there spewing, you know, unvaccinated uh, and and spewing virus on everybody is putting those people at risk. So you think the voters are going to make a Republican candidates pay if the conservative majority no. poo-poos the vaccine not. mandate? No. no. Have you seen America? The conservatives you know, won. Not, not recently. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Check is it, it out. interesting? It's, it's great. We're, we're, the, the writing in this, this last season has gotten completely Rick. implausible. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's still a fun ride, you know, until the end, uh, which is definitely going to be dark. Hire Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah, for sure. She'll fix Look, the show. Look, this, this country has been uh, won by the conservatives. They have decided that the federal government can't do anything to stop uh, a global pandemic that is ravaging the population. Uh, they are giving You do up. know there's a Democrat in the White House and majorities in both House and Senate, though, Yes, right? and, and the, the point, the, my point is that even when the Democrats win elections, conservatism wins. 
the conservatives on the Supreme Court can say, Biden, you can't do you can't even tell federal employees or companies that deal with the federal government that they have to uh, get vaccinated. Well, I hear you. But on the other hand, what about when the conservatives ran everything? Trump, the White House, uh, the, the Senate, the Congress and the Supreme Court. Uh, liberalism won because they couldn't get rid of the hated Obamacare. They don't actually care about Obamacare. They like running against Obamacare. All they care about is cutting taxes for billionaires, which yeah. they did. I think they care about Obamacare. They I cut- know a lot of conservatives who really hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those conservatives don't matter. They're just the people that are being swept into voting booths to vote for Republicans, to keep Republicans in power so that they can give their billionaire friends tax fr- cuts. Like, it's all a lie. It does not look. Like, Obamacare is irrelevant. It, politicians, Mitch McConnell, they don't care care about Obamacare. They don't care about any of these issues other than giving tax breaks to billionaires. That's the only thing they care about. And they're getting it by lying to the American public and saying, oh, we really deeply care about all these social issues or, oh, we really deeply care about government overreach. Government overreach is just a dog whistle for taxes. That's all they care about. Taxes and regulation. So when we say the conservatives have won, it's because They get to say the government isn't allowed to do X, Y, Z. In the 60s, the 50s, I don't even know when it was, there was a famous case called the Heart of Atlanta Motel, where uh, a motel was discriminating against people on the basis of race. They said no black people at the the motel. And the U.S. government said, oh, we're going to stop that. We're going to stop you from discriminating against people because you're open to the public and thus you're affecting commerce because people need to drive in and out of Atlanta. They need to have places to stay. Truck drivers can't drive through Atlanta if there's no motels that take them. If they're black, uh, they can't engage in commerce. This is all part of the big picture system. So obviously we're going to stop it because it's the wrong thing and it makes everything bad. And the power that we have comes from what's called the Commerce Clause. Conservatives have won. They now get to say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ignore Heart of Atlanta Motel. Ignore the civil rights era. Ignore all the the freedoms and civil rights that we won uh, through hard fought political battles at the Supreme Court back then. Now, it has nothing to do with commerce that people are all locked in their homes and can't go to work, that businesses are shutting down and that a pandemic is killing uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans. We're going to we're going to hit a million Americans dead soon. That, that has nothing to do with commerce. That has nothing to do with the economy. That has nothing to do with, with go- the government and its power to stop it. Biden and the Democrats should just do it. They should just do it. They should just do everything and make the Supreme Court stop them because the, the Supreme Court's going to stop them before they try anything, even if they try to do normal, reasonable things. What was that old exp- expression? Uh, let the, Andrew Jackson, I think, uh, let the Supreme Court enforce its rule. Yeah, we are. Suggesting they don't have an army. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hey, tell you what, you're very persuasive, Connor. What we're going to do is send a copy of the podcast to all 435 congresspersons, okay. and uh, we'll see if there are any well, results. I already know AOC's a listener. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's time for Guess the Verdict, Connor. We'll get to uh, next week the issue of amending the law that gave Trump an excuse to try to challenge the Electoral College votes. So you up for um, an episode of Guess the Verdict? Connor? Always. Favorite so, part of the show. Real case. Uh, Connor gets to guess uh, the outcome. This has to do with prisoners protesting a diet. Of neutral loaf. Mm-hmm. So the inmates at the Vancouver County Jail, uh, Vancouver, Washington County Jail, have sued the jail to prevent the serving of neutral loaf, 
What is Nutriloaf? It's a beige casserole. Some people say beige. I don't like people to say beige. Are you French? I don't know. I don't like that at all. I do not know. So it's a beige beige casserole consisting of beef or chicken chunks, apples, and eggs. A nine-ounce slab is a complete meal. Jail officials defended the loaf-style meal, saying they prevent the prisoners from assaulting each other with chicken bones or celery stalks. By the way... The Night Stalker was not named that because of no. celery stalk no, no. misuse in, in the, the oh, okay. jail. It that was a previous thing. So, Connor, uh, you uh, as uh, an observer, a keen observer of the legal scene, are in a position to predict yeah. how did the prisoner's lawsuit over the beige casseroles yeah. turn out? I'm going to say uh, that I think generally jury verdicts reflect public opinion and public opinion uh, towards prisoners is so overwhelmingly negative in this country that we just judge them as bad and evil and wrong uh, that they're going to lose because uh, prisoners almost always lose. You won. You yeah. got it right. We did. The ruling was that the loaves are not cruel and unusual punishment. Another win for mass incarceration. <laughs> Apparently that was the stand. And good nutrition as and, well. And sure. Let's probably. be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to try to be fair next week, too. Uh, we hope you're around for the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. Have yourselves a great week. <laughs>